Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I want to give a special shout out to my listeners in Canada and in the UK. You guys have been listening very consistently and faithfully, so thanks for joining me every week as we explore the scriptures and how they connect with our life. Also, a uh, by way of an update, I am going to be doing more with my YouTube channel, so I'm going to start doing a weekly five-minute Bible study show on YouTube. And so you can swing on over to YouTube. You can click subscribe there and uh, make sure you don't miss an episode of that. And um, just really a chance to kind of get dive down deep, get dirty with the text, wrestle with it real quick, point out an implication or two for our life and call it good. So five-minute Bible study and and wrestle with the text in five minutes or less over there on YouTube. And so I'll be releasing that every Thursday. Last week was the first uh, episode of one of those. And so if you're a YouTube watcher, swing on over to YouTube, subscribe to the five-minute Bible study with John Whitaker and check that out as well. And one last little update, March 8th, And ninth, I will be over in Western Oregon. And so if you're listening in Western Oregon, and if you are a guy, I will be at Man Camp at Grove Christian Camp, uh, March 8th and 9th, and speaking on the theme of really endurance and what endurance requires and why it's so necessary. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. And so uh, that's March 8th and 9th. I will be at Grove Christian Camp for their Man Camp. So if you're listening in Western Oregon. I'd love to see you there. All right, in this episode, we are going to look at one of my all-time favorite stories out of the Gospels, a story that I find incredibly moving no matter how many times I read it, a story that reveals a lot about the heart of Jesus and the character of God, a story that really in a lot of ways, challenges those of us who have grown up with Christianity or in the church who would consider ourselves a a good Christian, a story that really challenges us to think about how well do we embody the heart of Jesus and the character of God. It's, It's really a fabulous little story, and it's found in Luke chapter 7, picking up in verse 36, right at the end of the chapter. Let me set the table for this story for us. Jesus is uh, in some town. The town is not specified, so he's in some particular town. He's apparently been there a little while and attracted some attention in town. And the one of the religious leaders in town, a Pharisee, they t- tended to be the local religious leaders. They were the ones that more often than not led the synagogue, more often than not were the teachers in the synagogue school during the week. They were the ones that the average person looked up to as their religious leaders. So one of the religious leaders in town, uh, a, a Pharisee, we learn later in the story, his name is Simon. So Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus over for dinner. And this was a very common practice where um, you have a visiting rabbi to town, and Jesus would fit the bill of that. And so you have a visiting rabbi in town, in this case, Jesus, um, is welcomed to the home of the current religious leaders. Um, and they're going to have dinner together. And part of that is 
um, not just to enjoy each other's company, part of that is to discuss theology, the law, scriptures, God, and all of that. And the towns folks would oftentimes gather around. They would, you know, sit on the windowsill, stand outside the door. Sometimes there would be benches around the perimeter of the uh, inside of the, the house where the dinner was going to be hosted, and people could sit on those benches so that the towns folk could listen in as um, the religious leader in town, the rabbi in town, and the visiting rabbi debated and discussed and had questions about God and all of that. And it was a way for people just to engage and listen and learn. That seems to be the situation in the setting in this particular story. And so Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus to be the guest rabbi in his home for dinner, um, and Jesus gladly accepts. The story says that Jesus comes to his house and they reclined at table. Again, another cultural reference that in these sort of formal banquets, more often than not, they would um, not sit at a table, but they would recline with an elbow on the table and their feet out back behind them. That's an important detail because it explains how what happens in the story can happen. And so here are the the Pharisee, um, Jesus, apparently other religious leaders gathered around the table and they're going to enjoy dinner together and engage in religious dialogue. That's the plan. Well, what happens is this. As they're reclining at table, a a woman who's well-known in town decides she wants to come and visit this party. Um, She is well-known in town because she is, in the text, described as a sinner. It doesn't specify what kind of sinner, so we're left to guess or infer. Um, And the best guess is she is a notorious sinner in the the sense of like an adulteress or a prostitute. Uh, And so this woman has a reputation in town for sexual sin, and she is therefore really largely shunned and treated very poorly. Well, she comes and interrupts this dinner party. You have to pause before we go any further, and you have to, to ask what made her want to come? What gave her the courage that if she came to Jesus the way she does in this story, that she knew he would welcome her? If we're going to understand this story, we have to recognize she had either heard enough about Jesus that she knew he was different than the other religious leaders, or uh, she had a previous interaction with him that we're not told about, about that Um, made her realize he will treat me different. And so this woman, motivated by something she's either experienced or heard about Jesus, is given the courage to interrupt this dinner party and and come uh, to the feet of Jesus. Now, other townsfolk are gathered around observing this party and listening to the conversation, and that's acceptable. What's not acceptable is what this woman does. This woman doesn't just stay on the perimeter. She doesn't stay at the window or at the door. She actually comes through the door, walks her way into the room where Jesus is. She goes straight to the feet of Jesus And it says she had an alabaster vial of perfume, an expensive little vial of perfume, more than likely um, 
purchased with money from her trade to be used in her trade. All right. So she brings this expensive perfume and it says she stands behind Jesus at his feet Um, and she's weeping. She's crying. Tears are running down her cheeks. And the tears begin to drop off her cheeks now on her feet. His feet are dusty because he's wearing sandals in a dry, dusty climate. So his feet are dirty and dusty. Her tears drip onto his feet. And I imagine they make little muddy rivulets as they kind of work their way down his feet. And she's realizing, oh man, she's made quite a scene. She's making a mess of Jesus. She wanted in some way to honor him, but now she's overcome with emotion. And this wasn't quite how she pictured it. And here she is. And so... Uh, I, I suspect she gets down on her knees near his feet. She presumably lets down her hair uh, and she begins wiping his feet with her hair because she didn't bring a rag to wipe his feet. This wasn't quite how she planned it. So now she's caressing, wiping his feet with her hair. All sorts of social improprieties going on here. All right, she's wiping his feet, she's kissing his feet, and now she's anointing his feet with her perfume. She has uh, interrupted this dinner party. That is not socially acceptable. She's let down her hair as a female in public. That's not acceptable. She is now kissing and wiping and anointing Jesus' feet, and all of this is a very tender and intimate scene. And in public, nonetheless, with her reputation. And again, this isn't acceptable. She has broken all sorts of social propriety in invading this dinner party at the feet of Jesus. How are people going to respond? How is Jesus going to respond? How is the Pharisee going to respond? Well, keep looking through the text. Luke chapter 7, verse 39 says this, Now, when the Pharisee the religious leader whose home this party is in and whose home this woman is interrupted, whose table is expected to be as pure as uh, the temple and as the priest's table in the temple. So this Pharisee has very high purity standards by the customs of the day. And we tend to look down on the Pharisees. And yet, Uh, Pharisees were the popular religious teachers whose goal was to be as holy and righteous and pure as possible. That's part of the reason why they had such purity standards for their eating situation. Well, here comes this unclean sinner woman to his table, defiling his table. I mean, what's going on? So when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus over saw this, he said to himself, if this man, thinking of Jesus, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. So that's the Pharisee's response. He, he has witnessed this scene, and his first reaction is, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know exactly what kind of woman this is, that she's a sinner woman. And what's his assumption about this uh, a prophet and God and sinner woman? What's his assumption Well, his assumption is that if he were a prophet, he would know that this was a sinner and he would shun her. He would pull his feet back and he would not let her touch him. And he would rebuke her and send her away because she is a sinner woman touching a holy prophet, a holy man of God. That's the Pharisee's assumption. Jesus' assumption, Jesus' response, on the other hand, is totally different. 
Um, how does Jesus respond? Well, Jesus knows what Simon is thinking and knows the angst and the, ooh, the concern and maybe even a little bit of the, the uh, holy, quote-unquote, hostility that the Pharisee is feeling. Um, and uh, Jesus responds this way. It says in verse 40, Jesus says to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon the Pharisee replied, Say it, teacher. So Jesus tells a little story, a, like a mini parable almost, in order to make a point. And here it is, verse 41. Jesus says, A money lender had two debtors. One, one debtor owed 500 denarii, and the other owed 50 denarii. Well, in order to understand this, we need to make sure we know what a denarii is. A denarii was a day's wage, okay? Approximately a day's wage. So, one owed 500 denarii. That's roughly in our equivalency, like two years wages, right? Um, so, one owed like his annual income uh, for two years worth. He owed that amount. So maybe a hundred, a hundred and twenty thousand, maybe eighty thousand. I don't know, but you try to put it in modern day terms. Just think, two whole years' wages, and the other owed fifty uh, denarii, which would be fifty days' wages. So roughly two months. So two years' wages versus two months' wages. Both are still a significant amount, aren't they? Both are a lot, and both are hard to pay back. Uh, but one is obviously much more and much more difficult to pay back. So Jesus tells the story and says this, when they were both unable to repay, the moneylender graciously, kindly, generously forgave both debts. Just said, you know what? We'll just write that off. And forgave both debts, forgave both debtors. So Jesus asked Simon the Pharisee, looking him in the eye, sitting at his table, right? Which one of these debtors will love him more? Simon didn't have to think too long and too hard about that. Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Um, Obviously, the one who's going to be more grateful and more appreciative and have greater love is the one who was forgiven the bigger debt. And Jesus says, said to Simon, you have judged correctly. And then Jesus does something shocking, something completely unexpected um, by the standards of the day. Jesus turns and looks at the, the woman who is at his feet. And she's heard the little story. She's heard what's going on. Um, she can feel kind of the tension now. And the, the, this room is now kind of electric with tension. She can feel it. Jesus turns and looks at this woman and then Jesus, while looking at the woman, speaks to Simon. And this is what he says. Simon, do you see this woman? And now he is making Simon, this Pharisee, who for his whole life has avoided sinners and unholy people, right? He is trying to get Simon to acknowledge this woman, to see her, to see her as a person, to see her presence, not just to see her as a sinner, but to see her. So he directs Simon's attention to this woman. Simon, do you see this woman? And then Simon actually rebukes, or Jesus actually rebukes and challenges Simon, not the woman. Shocking. 
Simon is his host. Simon is the religious leader in town. Jesus is going against all social propriety, all social customs. And he is rebuking his host, who is the religious leader. And he is defending the honor of this woman who is a notorious sinner in town. This is what Jesus says to Simon. He says, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, Simon, and you gave me no water for my feet. Customary kind of social uh, greeting where, you know, because of the dusty nature of the, the roads, wearing sandals, it was customary to give somebody or provide a servant to wash a person's feet. Simon had skipped that basic uh, treatment of a guest in his house, which was, would have been, in a sense, dishonoring to Jesus. Simon says, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You, Simon, gave me no kiss of greeting, which again should have been a customary um, thing that Simon did as a way to honor this, this visiting rabbi in his home. But no, you gave me no kiss of greeting. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. Simon, you didn't even anoint my head with oil. Again, just a a standard customary way of honoring a guest in your home. You didn't anoint my head, Simon, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. And Jesus, in doing this and saying what he just said, has has told Simon, essentially, you treated me with shame rather than honor. She has treated me with honor rather than shame. Uh, And in an honor and shame culture like uh, the world Jesus lived in, this is a massive, uh, real challenge to Simon's honor, Simon's status. And it's a way of lifting up this woman's honor um, and removing her shame. So here Jesus, the guest rabbi in uh, a Pharisee's home, challenges and rebukes the Pharisee and his host and defends the honor of this woman. And Jesus then finishes by saying this, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many. Jesus doesn't discount her sins. He doesn't discount the wrong she has done. That's terribly important. Forgiveness is never sweeping our sins under the carpet. Forgiveness is never minimizing wrongdoing or pretending like it's no big deal or didn't happen. And Jesus never minimizes wrongdoing. So her sins, which are many, have been forgiven for she loved much. She's like that big debtor in the little story. She she loves Jesus much. She responds with this, this courageous, brave, unexpected act of devotion to Jesus because her many sins were forgiven. Her big debt was forgiven, and it's evidenced by her great love. And that's the way it works. Um, great forgiveness leads to great devotion, great love. Her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, and it's evidenced by the fact that she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. That's the point of the story, Um, and that's uh, what Jesus wants us to hear, is the more we're aware of how much it costs for our forgiveness, then the more our devotion and love and gratitude will be to God in Christ. Now, one of the things that's really important for us to see out of this text is um, Jesus subverts the common assumption about the heart of God 
and about the nature of God's love. God doesn't just love religious people. God loves all kinds of people. Um, God doesn't just welcome religious people or righteous people. God in Christ welcomes all kinds of people. Not because they're all perfect and not because they don't need forgiveness, but because God is gracious and compassionate and God forgives our sins. God does not treat us as our sins deserves. And we see that as a concrete example in this story. In fact, if you are just kind of new to my podcast and you didn't have a chance to go back and listen to my my uh, the episode on the Beatitudes when I launched the podcast on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you should go back and listen to the episode on the Beatitudes where I talk about the fact that we often read the Beatitudes as virtues we should have, but that's not at all really the point that Jesus is making in the Beatitudes. The point that Jesus is making in the Beatitudes is wherever you come from, if you come to Jesus from a state of mourning, if you come to Jesus in a state of righteousness, if you come to Jesus in a state of brokenness, wherever you come from, God is throwing the door wide open to all people in into his kingdom through Jesus, that God has an open door policy in his kingdom through Jesus. And we see that played out here. Here's this woman who all the other religious leaders and all the other religious people and all the other religious men in town have pushed aside, who have looked at with disdain, even if they had maybe, you know, used her in their in her trade. Um, but still, she was a sinner woman. And they, this woman would be snubbed and rejected. She would be viewed with shame and disgrace in town. She would be, uh, you know, talked about behind closed doors as that notorious sinner woman, right? Um, and she would be treated with dishonor, but not by Jesus. Jesus welcomes her at his feet. And Jesus defends her honor and gives her grace. Friends, that's the kind of God we serve. That God in Christ welcomes us, regardless of where we've come from, regardless of the wrong we've done. He's even willing to uh, risk his reputation to defend our honor, not because we're perfect. He, he's even willing to do it if our sins are many like this woman, and he's willing to grant us grace. And the more we understand the grace we've received, and the more we understand the cost at which we've received that grace, that Jesus goes to the cross and extends his arms wide open to welcome us on the cross, dying for our sins, the more we understand that, the more devotion and love and gratitude we'll have to Jesus. And that's what this story is all about that God is gracious and compassionate, that he welcomes us to himself. May we respond to his grace and his love and his mercy with devotion and love, just like this woman. All right, that's it for this little Bible story. Um, as always, I would invite you to subscribe to the Bible and Life podcast if you're not already, so you never miss an episode. Man, it would be super helpful to me if you would rate and review the show. And so if you're listening on a platform where you could uh, rate and review the podcast, that would be super helpful to me. And I would appreciate if you do that. And if you ever have questions about anything I, I say or teach on the, the, the podcast, man, I'd love it if you would just uh, message me through Instagram or Facebook or shoot me an email and just 
uh, ask me your question. I, I, I would love to hear what you're thinking, hear how you're wrestling with the text. So feel free to, to uh, spark a conversation and jump in and, and chat with me. All right. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next time on The Bible in Life. <laughs>